Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. To become a supporter of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. Who's ready for one of the most tedious detail-oriented portions in the entire Torah. If you're still here, we're talking about Truma this week. Truma starts at the beginning of Exodus 25, and it goes through the middle of chapter 27. And it describes the building of the Mishkan, the building of the portable sanctuary in the desert. Now, we're not going to talk this year about the reason for this sanctuary. We're not going to talk about the idea of God dwelling in the midst of the people. I will, however, refer you to my podcast of two years ago, 2022, for this Parsha, which was called I, Thou, and God, where we talked about exactly that idea. The Mishkan, the sanctuary or tabernacle, really is seen as both a place where God dwells, and also as an expression of the idea that God dwells among the people. But sometimes it's hard to remember that in the midst of this very detailed parsha, which is really just describing the construction of this sanctuary. It sounds a lot like this. I'm going to read from the beginning of chapter 26 here. It says, As for the tabernacle, make it of ten strips of cloth, Make these of fine twisted linen of blue, purple, and crimson yarns with a design of cherubs worked into them. The length of each cloth shall be 28 cubits, and the width of each cloth shall be 4 cubits, all the cloths to have the same measurement, etc., etc., etc. It describes all kinds of things about the cloths. Then it goes on to describe the boards. It says, You shall make the planks for the Mishkan of acacia wood upright. The length of each plank shall be ten cubits and the width shall be a cubit and a half. I mean, you get the idea, right? Most of the Parsha sounds like this, with the Torah telling us how to make the various wooden pieces, the various cloth pieces, the poles, the connections between the poles and the cloths and the... What are we supposed to do with all this? Well, the rabbis wondered the same thing, and because the Parsha is so detail-oriented, sometimes they got pretty creative in their Midrash. So what I want to do today is read for you a short Midrash that I found while I was doing research for the Midrash study group that I'm leading every Tuesday, and that I just absolutely loved, because it shows how the rabbis were able to read stories within stories, And also because it shows how they were thinking about real-life applications of the words and ideas in our sacred texts. So this comes from the Tanchuma, which is a relatively late compilation of Midrash, of rabbinic stories about the Torah. And what this Midrash is noticing is that in that verse that I just read about the planks, it says something strange. Here's how you shall make the planks for the tabernacle. The rabbis think, you know, the Torah could have just said, make planks, make some planks for the tabernacle, make them out of acacia wood, and here's what they should look like. But instead it says, hakshari'im, 
the planks, indicating that it seems to be talking about a specific set of planks. What planks are they? And this is the story to answer that question. It says, where did these planks come from? Our ancestor Jacob had planted them. When he came down to Egypt, he said to his sons, My children, my children, you are destined to be redeemed from here. And when you are redeemed, the Holy One will tell you to make a sanctuary. So go now and plant cedar trees, so that when God tells you to make a sanctuary, these cedars will be on hand. So Jacob's sons, so Jacob's children started to plant cedar trees, doing just what he had told them. Hence the Torah speaks of hakrashim, the planks, meaning the planks that their ancestor had arranged should be on hand for this moment. So what's going on here? The rabbis are telling a story in which the sanctuary is being made not just out of any old wood, but out of wood that Jacob had planted 400 years earlier in anticipation of this moment. Now, it's pretty fanciful, right? The idea that Jacob would have somehow, first of all, known that the slavery was coming, and second of all, gathered his children together and told them to go plant trees in anticipation of this moment, that the trees would have lasted 400 years, that the Israelites would have known where those specific trees were, that they would have been able to find them while wandering in the desert. I mean, it's a crazy story. But the rabbis don't care about any of that. They are purposefully weaving a crazy story here that connects Jacob with this moment of building the sanctuary in the desert 400 years later. And I love what they're doing because in this story that they're weaving, Jacob has the foresight and maybe the faith to believe that the persecution will come to an end, to believe that there is the possibility of a better world, of a world where oppression will end, a world where slavery will end. But not only that, Jacob doesn't only think it's possible. He takes positive steps toward it. He plants trees so that when this moment comes, when his descendants will leave Egypt, will be ready to build this sanctuary, they will have the tools that they need to be able to do so. Jacob literally plants the seeds of hope into the ground in anticipation of the moment where those seeds will blossom into trees that can be used to build the better world that he is envisioning. I don't think I've ever heard a better allegory for what it is to have hope and to take steps toward building something more hopeful. I don't think I've ever heard a better allegory for Tikkun Olam, for repairing the world. Some of you know that every Thursday, La Asok hosts a short program called Tikva through text. Tikva means hope, where we have a different rabbi who teaches us a text or a couple of texts about hope in Judaism. Last week, Rabbi Stephanie Crawley of Temple Micah in Washington, D.C. taught about Noah as a story of hope in the Torah. And specifically, what she referred to was the fact that when Noah builds the ark, he builds a window into the ark. He's commanded to build a window into the ark. It's a very strange thing to build on a boat that's going to be completely surrounded by water. And yet Noah builds this window in anticipation of the fact that the flood will end. And that is, in fact, the window that he uses to send out the birds to find out where there's dry land. 
And Rabbi Crawley made the point that hope is not only a feeling or a belief. Hope is an action. Hope is what we do to make the world better. And I think that we're seeing something similar here. Jacob, whose descendants are about to descend into slavery, believes in his heart that there will be an end to that painful and challenging experience. And so he takes concrete steps toward building the world that can come after it, toward bringing about that better world. For those of us who live in the real world, we also know that the world is filled with pain and challenge. Sometimes it's our own individual lives. We all go through hard things. Sometimes it's on a national level or a peoplehood level or a world level. I'm thinking about the war in Israel-Palestine. I'm thinking about global climate change. I'm thinking about the challenges that our world is facing. What is it to have hope? To have hope is to believe that there can be something better and to see yourself responsible for bringing about the something better, for creating the circumstances in which something better can flourish. Hope is planting seeds in the ground so that those seeds can grow into trees to be used to build the better world. And that means not giving in to despair. It means not getting mired in fear and hatred that lead us toward violence, that lead us toward deepening the challenges that we find ourselves in the midst of. It means, if I can mix religious metaphors a little bit, like Gandhi said, being the change you wish to see in the world. So that's what the rabbis see when they look at this story about our sanctuary, our sanctuary that represents God's presence, that represents the capacity for holiness in the world, is built out of planks that were planted in the ground by Jacob, who believed that that world was possible. We can all be the Jacobs who plant those seeds in the ground. We can all be the ones who believe that a better world is possible. And you do that by seeing yourself as responsible to take steps to bring it about. And while I'm on the topic, if you'd like to join us for Tikva Through Text, Thursdays at noon Eastern for half an hour on Zoom, just visit laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org, and you can sign up there. It's totally free and open to anyone and represents a little bit of a hopeful pick-me-up each week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. 7-Minute Torah is a production of Laasok. Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7minutetorah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K dot I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.